This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. doing it's your boy john of the macri with you for another episode a post christmas episode of the Knicks film school podcast uh and i have with me today we're recording this uh at 136 my computer is telling me on a thursday um it seems fitting uh to have this person on this this now because spencer spencer perlman hi spencer let's start there how are you I'm good. How are you? Happy Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, whatever, whatever holiday you're celebrating. Happy, happy that to you uh, out there. Um, we originally <clears throat> planned to do this. I want to say the, uh, maybe three weeks ago and then yeah. it got sidetracked and then we planned on doing it. Um, I think the day when did they play against the Wizards? The what was that Monday? Yeah, Monday. Yeah, we planned on doing it Monday in the earlier part of the day. And that that got pushed back to today. And I think it's fitting because I don't think I was fully ready to let go of this season fully, like 100 <laughs> percent, like just let the grips go until I saw that that it was its game. And now, um, I mean, hell, I'm probably going to be checking Tankathon every day, um, which is what I'm looking at right now. So it's it's fitting that we have you on now to discuss some some draft prospects. Um. I'm trying to Did think. You, you're saying that you didn't enjoy watching the uh, Wizards game. I'm I enjoy, I enjoy watching the Wizards. Um, the Wizards are <laughs> the Wizards are a fun. See, like, In, I, I would love Gary, if they if the Knicks played like the Wizards have all year. They're a fun team. They play hard. They play fast. They yeah. don't defend anybody. But yeah, Gary Payton Jr. is actually so, or the second whatever when he was at Oregon State. I was I remember watching him and he had some of the quickest reflexes I'd ever seen in my life. Like his hands and feet. So seeing him play well is nice even if it was against the Knicks. Uh <laughs> even if it but, was against a team playing in quicksand. Um yeah. yeah. No, yeah, that that was that it was no, look, I mean that's I feel not to get sidetracked before we get into what's important, but if there was ever a reminder cuz it's like, you know, what do you learn when a team like the Knicks plays a team like the Bucks or even the Heat to a, to a certain extent? It's like you learn that one team is really good and one team's not very good. When a team like the Knicks plays a team like the Wizards, I feel like that was probably the most telling moment of the entire season because, like, talent, it's like one of the oh, yeah. few, you know, it's, it's the Knicks should have out, out talented them. And, you know, if the effort was anywhere close to equal, but it, again, we're getting, uh, we're getting sidetracked. Um, why don't we start here? L- you had, uh, I think when we first talked about last year's draft, the way you put it to me was that, there was Zion, 
Then there was like a giant chasm and there was an ocean in the chasm and then the ocean ended and there was some more dry land. And then there was maybe like a creek or a couple creeks. And then there was like whoever you had as number two on your board at the time, which I think was RJ, but whatever. Um, I had Culver in the beginning, I think. You did have Culver in the beginning. Yeah, right. I'm actually looking at my board from last year. I've done pretty well. Like, so Zion, I mean, who knows? Garland has been good when he hasn't been paired with Sexton. Culver's been good and he hasn't been playing with crap players. I had Clark fourth. Who's been he's awesome. Been killing it. Yeah, I know. RJ has been better, I guess, than I expected. Ja has been. No, let me. Hold on. I want to come to your defense on RJ because you were, I think all the things that you were trepidatious about have borne, oh, them, yeah. borne themselves yeah, out. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn, but like, I, I've been going through my scouting reports from last year and the concerns that I had for pretty much all the players who I talked about have been there so like you know ja he's not going full speed into well, uh jumpers he's and the one guy though that I, if anything if you could be called out on any way on, on anyone it's probably him because i think through 30 games again putting zion aside ja's probably the guy that you you'd want before any of the other guys we've seen play right yeah yeah so and you were i mean i think yeah no he, i had him sixth yeah okay so yeah it listen, but, but, one but miss. To my, in my defense he was still in the second tier and i have the tiers slated so i can take anyone at number two this <laughs> so <I> cheat. <laughs> you cheated so here's here's how i want to start start off how many guys could you potentially see or maybe not potentially see right now do you have occupying again it's two different drafts but occupying that chasm between what between Zion and everybody else below Zion last year, how many guys in this draft would occupy that chasm in last year's draft? Uh, it's a tough one. I guess maybe Anthony Edwards, and that would kind of be it. Okay. Um, I mean, this as bad as or not as you know as low as I guess I was on last year's draft. This year's draft, so Anthony Edwards, is he's very good, but he's not your usual tier one player. He's normally like a good tier two player. And then every like the tier two players are now somewhere like tier three. And, you know, it's not a very good, <clears throat> not a very good draft to be um, picking really high unless if you somehow get number one. So that's kind of where I want to, that's where I want to go. Um, last year, I mean, the, I I we don't need to talk too much about last year, but there there was a very clear incentive to, to tank, um last year, because you wanted to get in the bottom three because even though there was only a percent and a half chance between three and four between getting the top pick and and um not it, w- it drops from fourteen percent to I think twelve and a half percent, it's like mm-hmm. you didn't want to screw around with that. 1.5 percent because zion was that good and if you give yourself an extra 1.5 percent chance it's great um this year is it fair to say that it's like you you know wherever the chips fall or like how much of an incentive is it to you to get like for instance have that 14 percent shot at number one or to have a guaranteed top five pick like where before we get into the actual players where's your general thinking as far as between now and the end of the year if you're not getting number one then basically like two through 10 or so, they're all pretty much the same level player. Um, 
So like if, you know, obviously if you can get the 14%, then that's awesome. But if you get 12% or 11%, whatever it is, um, I wouldn't be too upset because you'll still end up getting someone who can contribute, even if it's just off the bench or, you know, a lower end starter type. So that, okay. So usually tier one players in a, in a normal draft, I feel like those, you know, it's like a, you, you expect an all-star yeah. level For career. Like franchise, yeah. Like a franchise cornerstone, somebody you can build around. And so there's nobody there now. Anthony Edwards, you're saying, is this year's tier one, but really he'd be a normal T2, which is like what? Consistent, good starter on a very good team? Yeah, spot all-star. Like he's not someone who I would build around. So he's, I don't think he's really going to be a number one option, although you know it's been 10 games or so. So maybe he just continues to improve. Um, but he's someone like, you know, if he's there at one, I'm taking him and I'm running. And okay. I still think he can be an all-star. I just don't think, you know, he's not a Doncic. He's not Zion. He's not one of those guys. Okay. And then everybody in that two through 10 range to you is like maybe a good starter on a yeah. pretty good team, maybe a great bench player or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it just kind of drop. Like there's a, there's a decent drop and then it's just a whole bunch of role players. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and inevitably the Knicks will will turn it around before next season when it's a, a whole a whole different story, but we don't have to get into that. All right, um, let's talk about Anthony Edwards, and and I, I want to preface this discussion by saying that um, I know less about this crop of draftees than I think I've known about any crop of draftees since I've been like really very heavily into the NBA, just because um, the combination of everything I do for Knicks Film School and uh, having a small child that requires lots of attention and a full-time job. Um, This is why I rely on you, Spencer, to educate me (laughs) because I am not educated at all. And if you are listening to this podcast, you are probably more educated than me. So here's how uneducated I am. I'm going to just be blatantly honest about it. I see Anthony Edwards on Tankathon and under his name, it says SG, which I know enough to to know stands for shooting guard. Um, I was under the vague impression through just like seeing highlights and stuff on Twitter that he was, he he was something of a ball handler. Or am I completely off base with that? Like, what is Anthony he, Edwards? Let's start there. What is Anthony Edwards? He's an engine. So, like, he he's someone who I would rather have the ball in their hands than like RJ. Although like, RJ is the better passer, I think. Um, when Edwards, when he's actually attacking the rim, he is something that is he's rare. Um, like, you know, his foot's always in the gas and he can settle for too many jumpers, but he's 6'5", 225, and he's like, he, he's a tank. But he, he's like a lead guard who can play off ball a little bit. Um, but he's not, you know, someone with much horizontal gravity. Like, he's not running around screens like Clay Thompson. It would okay. be more of like, you know, basic catch and shoot, maybe a couple pin downs. Okay. Is he, so you said already he's not someone that you would, build a franchise around um is like is he someone that's going to like walk into the league and average 20 points in his rookie year and do so somewhat efficiently like what is what do you foresee his transition into the pros being um i mean i i'd be shocked if he's above like 17 or 18 i'd probably guess somewhere around 14 15 um you know he's coming in he he's a good jump shooter he's like he can go off the bounds, he can hit catch and shoot uh, jumpers. Um, 
he can really get into the paint when he wants to. And so like, if I'm, if I'm, I mean, let me, let me go back a little bit. So he, he is someone you can build around that. He can be that second option. He's just not a first option. Okay. Um, so if you want to, I guess, build him into that, you can have him handle more against second units and then against starting lineups. He's probably, you know, the second option, third option. Um, but he's someone who I would really just want to drill into his head that at his size, his freakish combination of strength and athleticism, he should really be attacking the paint instead of, you know, taking 16 field goal attempts a game. He only has like 40 something paint attempts. Um, and that, that, that doesn't sound like a lot, given the type of player that you're describing. Yeah. Why, why is that? He settles for too many jumpers. It, yeah, 34 paint attempts in the half court. What is it? Is there one thing that in your mind is preventing him from being a true number one option on a good team? Or is it a, is like a mix of like a lot of little things? I can't really explain it. Um, Try. Humor me. Yeah. So like, you know, when you watch Doncic and you saw just how he was really making everyone around him that much better. Okay. You I knew it, I right it. off the bat he was the number one option. He was somebody you could build everything around. Um, like Edwards, you know, he's playing for Georgia and Georgia's not particularly good, although they have one other NBA player on their team, although he's nowhere near in like a first uh, top 10 overall pick. Um, but it just doesn't really seem like he's making guys around him better, except for that Michigan State game where he just kind of went ISO mode and he killed Michigan State single handedly and they ended up losing. But um, he, he's just not he doesn't have that Doncic or like he's not making guys around him better. I guess that would probably be the easiest way to explain it. OK, um, no, that's fair. Uh, not to that, not to that level. Does he defend? Yeah. Yeah, he's Ooh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, he's good at the point of attack. He can get a little bit lazy off ball. Um, but you see flashes of him like running through screens on defense. And probably my favorite part about him, again, is his combination. He's six five, six nine wingspan, two like he's actually built like a rock. And he'll probably be able to switch one, two, three, definitely. Like I'd be shocked if there are threes who can really overpower him except for, you know, a LeBron, I guess, or a Kawhi or someone like that. Um but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, three, four years from now, if if you want to switch, if you want to switch one through four, he could probably do that. Um, in terms of like mentality, because I think I think we, I think I like the mentality that RJ has come in with. Um, he's, a, you know, he's a professional. I mean, I don't think we've ever questioned his effort so far. I mean, his his defensive awareness, um, you know, it's probably has come under a little bit of question more late than than early. Um, but overall, I, I think he's like fine in terms of like the intangible categories is Anthony Edwards, someone who's like, he's, is that a big check for him? Is it like in the middle somewhere? Is where, where are you with that? With the intangibles part? Yeah. With just like his, his, his mentality, his approach to the game, like stuff like that. Like we, we, those things were, I felt like pluses with RJ coming in and they've, that's kind of borne out more or less, maybe not completely, but, um, is Anthony Edwards going to be a guy who like his mentality on the defensive end is going to be something that like guys could rally around or is he just kind of like he's solid? I, I, I you can probably rally around him. Okay. Um, this is good. Yeah, you're you're upselling him. I like this. I want to be upsold really. Yeah. Like he's, I think he's going to be at least a average to good player on both ends. 
at the very least. So he's not going to be someone who can completely exploit on defense, and he's not someone who's going to kill your offense. Okay. Um, just like, I mean, he's supposed to be a senior in high school right now, so he's playing up a year, although then he would have been, I guess, an older freshman. Um, but, you know, development-wise, he's still technically a senior in high school because of who he's been playing against. And with that in mind, he's he's advanced. Just you want him to attack the rim more because he has the body and there's really no reason why he's, you know, three attempts in the paint a game, essentially. All right. Before I ask you one more uh, last question about Anthony Edwards, uh, a quick reminder from our friends at Vivid Seats. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know Vivid Seats very well because I talk about them every episode. They are your one-stop shop for all tickets that you could possibly ever want. Sports tickets, theater tickets, um, really anything, anything anything you could possibly want. Uh, Vivid Seats will have it. You could download the Vivid Seats app from uh, the Google App Store, from any place you get your apps. Um, and it has all the features you could possibly want. It has uh, all the tickets are guaranteed. You get immediately enrolled in their loyalty rewards program. And best of all, when you're purchasing your tickets, if you haven't already done uh, so, you could enter the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E and get up to $100 off of your first purchase. So uh, Vivid Seats, go out and uh, download the app and, and take advantage. Uh, all right, Spencer, one one last one on Anthony Edwards before, before we move on. Um, I next to RJ Barrett um, on this Knicks team. I think RJ is the one piece that we feel pretty good about going forward. Mitchell Robinson also. Um, if you put Anthony Edwards with this group, do you think you still need a traditional point guard um, to be like the real engine of the offense, or can you get by with like Edwards, RJ, and like maybe a less traditional point guard, at least where the in terms of like the modern game? I think it'll be fine. Uh, um, I mean, you always want someone who can really be that elite playmaker. But um, like RJ, he's a good passer. He's shown he's a good passer. Anthony Edwards has shown the potential to be a good passer with some flashes he's shown this year and then last year in AAU. Um, and you know, I'm still a frank believer, and I think that those three could actually work pretty well, assuming everyone's shot continues to progress. <laughs> what an assumption. I love it. Uh, I, I will always make that assumption on this show. I don't care if Frank is a 10-year veteran and he's still shooting like 35% from the field. I'm, one of these days. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So yeah. we should all be excited for Anthony Edwards. It, I guess the best way to transition from him is, do, I know you said that there's a, you know, it's him and then everybody else. Is there anyone else on this board who you think between now and the end of the year could make it? a conversation for the number one overall pick? Um, no, like I, I know people are very high on James Wiseman and myself and the rest of draft Twitter is not. Why? Well, aren't, what's the aren't difference? Not, we're not. Um, so a couple of things. One, um, I don't really think there's much value in, a type of bit like a drop big who doesn't really have much of an offensive game. People are going to say, Oh, you know, he does. He showed it in high school. Sure. You look at the Nike EYBL stats. He had like a 51 true shooting percentage or something like that, which is atrocious. He's seven foot one, 240 pounds. How do you have a, a true shooting percentage that bad? 
And it's because you take bad shots. And, you know, during his time in Memphis, it's true. He was mostly relegated to the paint and in. And um, he did dominate. Like, I can't deny that. But he's not like he's not going to be shooting five threes a game. And I think in today's NBA, you, re- you either want to have a big who can be some sort of switchable defender or have the combination of being a plus shooter and, and or a plus passer. Um, he's not a plus passer. He can probably end up hitting some basic catch and shoots in time. Um, and he's not switchable. And yeah. I mean, I don't know. There, there are too many red flags, I guess, with the shot selection from the large, large sample we've seen in the past for me to just kind of dismiss it based on the three games we saw him play against pretty much like, you know, subpar competition this year. It It's not um identical but hearing you talk about James Wiseman reminds me of a lot of people who I heard talk about DeAndre Ayton um yep. 2 years ago is that is that the and and at this point I I don't know that we could look at Ayton and be like oh yeah no they didn't screw up that pick massively it seems like all a lot of the fears have come true um about about him um is that kind of in the similar vein yeah, so uh, 100%. The only things I would add is DeAndre Ayton had much more defensive potential with switching because he actually had hips that could turn, whereas Wiseman, he's slow. Um, like, he, in a straight line, he is, like, beautiful to watch. Like, he is a gazelle, and I posted that before on Twitter. Um, but when he's trying to move side to side, he's slow. Ayton had him beat there, and I don't even think it was close. When it comes to being a dive man, Wiseman is a great dive man when he has space because it takes some time to load up and actually you know activate against every muscle he has in his lower body to get up um Aiton, he was a pretty quick riser like he wasn't you know uh sean marion or whoever else you want to throw out there but he was he was a quicker riser than wiseman in terms of offensive game if wiseman had Aiton's potential sorry if wiseman had Aiton's skill level then i would 100 percent entertain him for to be the number one pick however Aiton's footwork was insanely good um his touch was really good like he was a legitimately good jump shooter in college and wiseman is not um i mean like if the, those two were in the draft together i would have Aiden above wiseman and i had Doncic like way 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 ahead of Aiden. Uh, so uh, yeah wiseman no. would be always back um you yeah, know i was i was in camp uh Doncic as well. Happy to be on the right side of history there. And so it sounds like this this could be a pretty short discussion because um, my final question here is just going to be like, is he is the potential of Wiseman good enough for you to like basically punt on Mitchell Robinson? And I, you know, I'm a huge Robinson fan. I'm still a very big believer in him, even though he's had, I guess, what you'd describe as an up and down year. Although I, I would probably say there's been more ups and downs. Although I maybe he hasn't had the the jump that um, we expected, but I think you could probably blame that on some stuff that is not, um, that's not him. Uh, it's more like team stuff. Um, I, should we be happy rolling forward with Robinson if, if uh, as opposed to going for Wiseman? Um, I mean, so given their, well, I think it'd be stupid to straight up waste a second overall pick on James Wiseman when you have Mitchell Robinson. Like, I don't think Mitchell Robinson's going to be some, you know, ten-time All-Star, ten-time Defensive Player of the Year. No, 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 no. Like he's he's a very, very good defender. You know what you're getting. He can switch on the perimeter, and then his timing around the basket's insane. Um, with 
Wiseman, and so going back to Mitch, he does have some awareness questions, but he's not going to be forcing things on offense, which you'll have with Wiseman on offense. He'll be forcing weird turnaround jump shots. Um, and in theory, he, while he might be able to space the court in time, I guess in theory, Mitch can too, even if I don't necessarily buy it. But the defense is where it's just much different. Like Mitchell Robinson is a legitimately good defender right now. Wiseman has the ways to go to get to that level, period. Okay. Um, yeah, but like I wouldn't waste a second overall pick, even if it's like if you're going from, you know, a seven to an eight, why would you waste a second overall pick when you can add someone who can actually help you elsewhere? Yeah. And and just looking at the rest of the board um, between and we're, we'll touch on all these guys, LaMelo Ball, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, uh, Nico Mannion, uh, got Halliburton. So um, even Killian Hayes. So like most of the rest of the top 10, at least the top 10 that, that I'm looking at, maybe you have a different rest of the top 10. Um, these are ball handlers and it, it, the Knicks, I feel like the Knicks need a ball handler. Um, so with that said of this, of this group, is there, is there anyone that you're particularly excited about? Uh, for the Knicks or just in general? For the Knicks. Let's say for the Knicks. Let's start there. Okay. Um, so Nico, uh, I actually had him. So I had Anthony Edwards in my tier one to begin the season. And then just below that, uh, I guess just for point guards, it was Nico Cole. Um, and I think I had Theo or Maxi as the third guard of my tier one for point guards, but Nico, um, he's a very good shooter, both off the bounce, um, He's a legit movement shooter. Like you want to run him off three screens in the baseline. He can do that. Um, he's an unbelievable passer, like very, very, very good passer. And beyond him, just seeing the lanes, he knows when to get it to the guys. So I think a couple of weeks ago, um, I was looking at some of his clips and there were two plays, took the pick and roll, took both defenders at the top of the key. He waited until like the perfect time to hit the roll man where he had either an open lane or just like, you know, a one move than the layup. Um, so, so I'm gonna, someone who I, I want to stop sorry. it right there because you just described someone who is an unbelievable movement shooter and a great passer. Why is he not clearly the number like the number two guy that every Nick fan should be like salivating over? Because there are concerns about his size, I guess. Um, so he's six three, one hundred and eighty pounds. Is that maybe overstating mm-hmm. it on both counts, or is he, is that pretty legit? No, I think that's right. It's just okay. his wingspan. I think he might have like a six four wingspan or so. Nope, it's two and a half wingspan. Okay. Net. We sorry. You said yeah, negative. So it would be him. It would be him not having. Yeah, I think it's negative. At least okay. that's what I just read. Gotcha. Um, but it would be him not not being long enough. So you know, if you're trying to switch, you probably can't switch with him. And then people will get on him for the size. But my counter to that would be he's a very smart defensive player. So he will cut off a driving lane before there can even be potential for him to get knocked off the spot. He will beat the guy there. Um, he's very quick. I seen people online question his athleticism. I think that's incredibly stupid because <laughs> I love the way you put things athlete. never change yeah, I mean, Spencer. Yeah, no, I'm very straightforward. He's a legitimately good athlete, both vertically one feet, two feet, and then laterally on defense. He can move. He can turn his hips. He can do everything you want. So yes, he is a little bit small, but it's not like he's some sieve who's just going to, you know, die on every screen. He will fight. He will claw. He will elbow people to, you know, to help even the odds. And um, competitors like him, I think, actually fit, you know, the whole um, 
mantra that the Knicks had to start the season. Like they, they want to be the bulliers, not the people getting bullied, which I guess is kind of screwed up when you think about it. <laughs> oh, the irony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's someone who I think would fit. And if you want someone to play next to RJ, you want someone who can play on and off ball. Nico can do that. Um, I'm, I mean, you, you, we've done enough of these pods together and we obviously talk all the time, um, off of this podcast about, you know, just things that we value in, in basketball. Um, you know, me, I, I want shooting first, second and third. Um, maybe that should be just because I've been watching the Knicks for the past several years, uh, not be able to shoot it into the ocean. And I feel like, Hey, it would be nice to have a team, um, with guys who could make shots. Um, it, is he the best shooter amongst this like next crop of, of guards after Edwards? Uh, he's the best shooter. I think actually in this first round, really? Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm going through, I guess, you know, the list of people right now and there's not really anyone who I would take above him except for I mean, maybe Aaron Neesmith. Um, but he's a wing. He's not a point guard. Um, and so, yeah, and I mean, Nico Mannion is like there's no, it's not like he's a combo like he's a, he's a true point guard. He is a true point guard. Okay. Yes. Um, well, and another negative would be he doesn't attack the paint that much. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, uh, okay, fine. Uh, obviously, we've we've just now gone through two and a half years of Frank kind of having a similar issue, but that's only an issue because he he doesn't you know everybody plays off of him and he uh, he doesn't. Shoot from yeah, the oh, you can, you can't like if you back off Nico, you're going to be screwed. <laughs> I love the sound of that. Okay, so it, it's fair to say that Nico would be number two on your board for the Knicks. Is that fair to say? Yeah, probably. Okay, um, we haven't talked about Cole Anthony yet. Uh, here again, this is just me showing my cards, um, and how little I have really, um, I know about any of this right now. My perception coming into the year was that. Anthony Edwards and Cole Anthony were kind of like neck and neck ish in terms of just like how, you know, the excitement level about these players and potential and like all of that stuff. We haven't mentioned Cole Anthony yet. What's what's who's Cole Anthony? What's your take on him? Like, give me your give me your thing. Um, Who is Cole Anthony? So I guess one thing I want to say right off the bat is the Cole Anthony that we have seen this year at UNC is not the Cole Anthony who is. Like he's not the Cole Anthony from last year, and people can say, you know, it's probably because he's playing against better competition. Sure, but you don't go from shooting um, thirty-eight percent from three and like eighty-nine percent from the line on like one hundred and eighty-three point attempts and or free throw. I, I don't know. Like he had a huge volume of threes and free throws um, in the EYBL, which is legit competition where they they, they like score your they box score everything correctly, so it's not you know some okay. random high school game. Um, to shooting what, 35% from three and 68 from the free throw line. So the shooting numbers are not indicative of the type of shooter he actually is. Is he Nico level? No. But does he have the same ability to play on ball and off ball and shoot? Yes. Um, and then, you know, he's shooting 30% in the paint in the half court, which is horrible. But this is why you need to watch the film and then also look at the numbers because when you watch UNC, A, they don't really have much of an offense. So he's forced to create a lot for himself. And when he does create for himself, he has two bigs clogging the paint. So, you know, it's not like there's much space for him to actually do anything, which I guess in New York 
maybe a similar thing would happen. Um, so maybe that's a reason why you don't draft Cole, although I think that's a pretty stupid reason to not draft him because you're afraid of the lack of space that the Knicks have. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, the finishing um, on his drives, he might not see every pass. But again, you watch the stuff from his high school. He's a good passer. He's not Nico, who's like nine out of 10. He's probably closer to like a six and a half um, or six. But he's a good passer. It's like I pretty much blame the negative coverage I guess he's gotten this year. Um, a large amount of that is based on UNC's lack of offense and the players that they have. And the people who I've spoken with kind of agree with that. Um, it it sounds like you're pretty high on it. I still am. Um, what's he's, your he's what's still, the trepidation here with him? He's a year older than most other people in his class. So he's like nineteen. Yeah, nineteen point six. Right it says yeah. So okay. Yeah. So he's a year older, and then now there's the concern with his uh, with the knee injury, which was meniscus, um, and that I guess scares me a little bit. Um, but. I mean, he's got a great attitude. He's very personable, as is Anthony Edwards. Uh, Draft Express is doing these videos one-on-one where they're breaking down film, and it's really cool to actually see them outside of just you know playing. They're talking with Schmitz, and it's great. Um, but yeah, I'm still high on Anthony. Not on Cole Anthony. Uh, still high on Cole Anthony. He's just not – he's not maybe the sure thing that I thought he was to begin the season. Um, if he fails in the but, NBA, why, why is he going yeah. to fail? Or do you not think I mean, he'll fail? Do you think he'll just maybe not reach a certain ceiling that some people have for him? Yeah, I mean, I'd be shocked if he actually just outright failed because you know he's a good defender on ball. He's active, and then off ball, he's made some of the nicest rotations I've seen from any like guard this year. Um, protect- I like that. You know, that's another thing. You know, I like. You know, I like smart yeah. off ball defense. I guess it would just be if the shot selection doesn't improve because he does need shot selection improvement and if the game doesn't really slow down where you can see the passing lanes um those would probably be the two things you know where uh, can, can i say something though about shot selection if mm-hmm. it, maybe this is too too broad a stroke but i feel like it's like, kind of like rj like there were some maybe uh questions about his some of his shot selection last year at duke but then I would listen to people describe him, how he, you know, he's all about winning and he just, you know, he's a smart player. And I'm like, well, he'll, like, I don't, I, those concerns didn't really translate for me. I, is it too general to say, like, if a guy is like, just a, like, he's a, he's a smart basketball player who knows what, what works and what doesn't and what he should do and what he shouldn't do. um, And like, can't, shouldn't we assume that shot selection will improve for those types of guys as they get into a better situation? Yes. Yeah, and I think actually watching Cole Anthony in the Nike EYBL stuff and then watching um, a high, a, one of the games from this year and then watching Kobe White last year, you'll see some similar concerns with the lack of spacing um, and with the shot selection. I don't really think Kobe White has played that well this year, although I admittedly haven't really watched uh, Chicago uh, that much. He um, looked but, great the one fourth quarter that I saw him in. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I mean... I think it's fair that the shot selection will probably improve. Okay. Um, it's a question of how much. And, and really quickly. Yeah. Um, just to show how much of the creation he's had to do for himself um, in the paint, he doesn't have a single assisted shot at the rim. Everything. So he's 30% at the rim, 8 of 27. I get it. That's crap. Spencer, what are you talking about? Right. But all of his makes have been completely 
and just himself. Like he's he's making those lanes himself and he's finishing despite having one guy on either side or someone in front of him who's defending because you have two bigs who can't take more than um who, who can't take jumpers outside of like six feet. <laughs> that doesn't sound ideal. Um, even in college. So is is he number uh would be would he be number three for you after Anthony Edwards and uh, Nico Mannion for the Knicks? Probably not. <laughs> um, who, who would be number three? Uh, I mean, for point guards, it would probably be Killian Hayes. Um, so Killian Hayes, hold on. I have to scroll a little bit further down here. So, um, he, oh, how the hell do you pronounce that? Radio farm? Ohm. I just say Ohm. Ohm? Okay. Let's say Ohm. Ohm. Um, Um, so he's nine on Tankathon. Is that a fair representation of where most people have him? Because I know you, you, you completely ignore like rankings and you make your own. Is that, but is that a fair assessment of it where, where he generally is? So I have, I'm involved in like a massive draft chat on Twitter. Like, I mean, we have like 40 people on there and it's like the Stepien guys, it's a whole bunch of people. And basically the range for him that we've spoken about is somewhere actually second overall. So after Anthony Edwards to like, one of the guys has him. Um, I think he said late lotto. Um, okay, but the bulk of the people seem to be in that two to seven eight range, and okay. I'm I'm comfortable with that. What's your What's your elevator pitch for Killian Hayes? Um, strong body. Uh, he's so the one eighty seven he's listed at on uh, Tankathon. It doesn't look right anymore. He's probably closer to two hundred, if not like two hundred five. Okay, um, so he's strong. Uh, his passing ability is also on it's like uncanny. Um, well, I'm seeing he has eight uh, over eight assists per 36 minutes, so that that seems like it will work. Yeah, like he's so everyone talks about Lamelo Ball being an amazing passer, which he is. He's he sees the court, he sees you know plays before they happen. Killian, if he's not at that level, he's slightly below that. Like he's a fantastic passer, and then. Um, the jumper has made improvements. I don't know what the percentages are this year, but just watching it, you can see it. And especially off the bounce, um, you know, if, if you have a big switched on to him, he can not maybe like not really blow by him because he doesn't really have an elite first step, but he's someone who can lull him to sleep and then hit a jump shot from three just right off the bounce, not have to set, nothing. Um, so yeah, I guess it would be the passing and shooting um, and then Maybe not. Consi- look, he's not the Nico shooter. He's not running around screens, but he's a good pull-up jump shooter. Um, and I guess that's really what you'd be buying because he's not, again, like Nico, who's someone who really attacks the rim that much. Um, and he's not the most athletic. He plays like a hunch in his back, actually, and it's noticeable enough to like, like basically the first time you watch him, you can see it. Okay. Uh, but. You know, the athleticism, I guess, my counterpoint and where I was just talking about this actually before in, in the chat was that last year he was not a good athlete. And this year, and if he was like a three out of 10 last year, he's bumped it up to like a five. Um, so which makes sense. You no, know, he's a year older. He's getting into his body a little bit more. He's looking more athletic. So well, we should also say he's incredibly young. He's he's under yeah. 18 and a half years old right now. So, yeah, he'd be. Yeah, he and Anthony Edwards are the same age. He's a month older. From Lamelo Ball, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you'd be buying the long-term shooting, uh, and there's plenty of reason to buy it because the form isn't broken. There's good indicators, and then you buy the passing and potential to switch on defense with the size. Um, again, similar to 
uh, similar to Nico, similar to Cole. It, it sounds like this is a guy who could be a true point guard. It has mm-hmm. the passing to be a point true point guard, and and will you're you're saying you're buying? So when you say you're buying the shooting, I mean there's like different ways to talk about this. Like the obviously it was a concern of R.J. Barrett's coming into this year. Are you further ahead on Killian Hayes' shooting than you were on Barrett's this time last year? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because you had a lot of, you know, priors with RJ of shooting in the 60s and 70s of free throws. He's uh, Killian. He's 86% in 2017, 18, uh, 18, 19, 82% this year. He's almost at 90%. Hey, we like those numbers. Those are, look at you selling me on all these guys. What bad draft? There's no bad draft. It's great draft. They're not like, like, I don't think any of these guys really are going to be high level all-stars. Like they're not going to reach Dame Lillard type of MVP candidates or, you know, Chris Paul, but these are good guys. You can have, you can slot them in as good starters or solid starters and you can, you know, have someone lead your team for the next 10 years or be a part of your team for the next 10 years. Again, maybe it's just that I've watched Julius Randle for 30 games. I like, (laughs) and you know, and and look, we we, we don't have to talk about Frank. We, we, We both love Frank, but like whether it's the mentality or the fact that there just weren't enough plays being or are still not enough plays being drawn. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not, um, he's, he's not, he's not the point guard that, uh, is, I don't know. What would you put it? How would you put it? He's not leaning to the leaps and bounds that we would like to see. Um, I don't think we need to say any more than that. So we've talked about, we've talked about Nico. We've talked about Cole Anthony. We've talked about Killian Hayes. Um, you said Killian would be above Cole. Would So Cole Anthony, would would he be fourth, or is there someone else that you would slot above Cole Anthony at this point? Uh, uh, he'd probably be fourth, I guess. So, I mean, we have to talk about LaMelo Ball because he's LaMelo Ball. And again, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to throw myself, you know, on the sword here. I, I don't, I, I know his last name is Ball. I know he's a point guard. Um, I know he, he, he went to go play in, uh, it's Australia, right? Um, yeah, and that's that's what I know about Lamelo Ball. Uh, so what what's it sounds like you're down on him. Um, yes, and I think there's pretty good reason to be. Um, so why me... are people excited about Lamelo Ball? Let's start there. So just from what I understand, it seems like the people who say he's you know Doncic or whatever, like the next great amazing player, probably the people who have only watched the highlights. Um, because when you actually watch the games, you see a slightly different player. Um, what yeah, player would that be? <laughs> you see someone who's not a good defender. Um, he's not strong. He's tall. He's like six, seven, one eighty or six, six, one eighty. So he's got good size. I don't know what his wingspan is, but it's probably like a plus three or so plus four. Um, but he's got a bad frame. And beyond that, he's another one who, like, if there's a screen, he's probably just going to make a half-assed attempt to get through it and then um, just kind of live with the result after that. So he's not a good defender. Um, you see some, like, his passing, I can't get past it. Like, his passing is unbelievable. Okay. Uh, if there's, like, like if, if there's a single trait that I would buy out of, like, anyone in this draft, uh, like a single skill, it would probably be his passing. But it's just that so good. I, I want to stop you for a second because I remember hearing the same thing about his brother. Um, mm-hmm. What is it now? Three years Different. ago? 
Well, it's different though. Why? Why is it different? So Lonzo was never a good half court creator. He was a very, very, very quick decision maker, a great swing passer, but out of the pick and roll, it, it's not like he was you know, really creating much. Um, a lot of his passes were getting the rebound, dribbling up and doing that Jason Kidd 50 foot pass up ahead. Okay. Uh, LaMelo, on the other hand, he's, he makes some passes that like, if you're the coach for his team, you see what he's about to do. You start pulling out your hair and then the pass makes it. And it's not even like it's close to the defense tipping it. It's perfectly placed, perfectly timed. And then you, you take your hands off your hair. Cause you, you know, he, he did, he made an amazing pass. It was the right pass. It was just a scary pass. Cause, um, it's possible that the offensive player was, wasn't looking for it or, you know, whatever, but his passing ability, like he sees the court, sees the game on offense the same way that Trey does that, you know, jaw does that Doncic does. Um, like I really think his elite skill is probably the only elite skill I would buy right now out of anyone in the draft. Is he, a, can he shoot? Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's way not to, way to soft, softball that one. Okay, uh, <laughs> like no, not ever, or no, not right now. But the form is good, and maybe he will eventually. So you know how when you're younger and you're starting to shoot baskets, and you know the the basket's too high, so you're shooting with both elbows flared, and you're shooting from below your your uh, chin. Right? Oh dear God! Yeah, he shoots from below his chin. He shoots with both elbow the both elbows flared. It's not a pretty shot, but then you actually see the footwork and he's able to stop in the dime and it's really impressive. Um, he's yeah, 38% from the field, 25% from three, uh. 72 from the line. And if I remember correctly, his priors for shooting from the line and from three like aren't very good either. Okay. So it's not even like with, um, with Cole where you have the inconsistent shooting in uh, with UNC, but you have the very, very, very large sample size of near like elite shooting or at least very good shooting from EYBL, you have inconsistent shooting full stop from LaMelo. Um, and his, just one other thing about his brother, Lonzo um, gets to the line and um, drives with the intention of scoring about as often as Frank does. Um, maybe a tick more in terms of drives. Um, but I actually think he averages less free throws per, per 36 minutes for his career than, than Nilakino, which is almost, um, almost unfathomable um is lamello in that category of a driver someone who maybe looks for contact or is he a notch above he still settles for more jump shots probably than he should but he's at 61 including fouls uh, attempts at around the rim okay. in the games he's played okay so yeah i mean his touch is also unbelievable so if you want to buy the shot you're buying the shot because you buy the touch so like on floaters runners whatnot um it's very good and then you see him take a jump shot and you're like, yikes, it's not, well, you know, it needs work. I've heard you talk. I mean, we've done enough of these. I, I, I know when you really are real, like you're, you're very good at pointing out all of the different flaws in somebody's game that you really don't like. It sounds like there's enough here that there's some hope or am I just reading too much into that? I am a very negative person pointing out false is what I do. Well, that's you. Yeah, that <laughs> goes with that, which is why you're the perfect person for this podcast. But anyway. Yeah. Um, is it, what was the question? If, the, if there's no, enough I mean, to like, like buy? It's, it, it sounds like there's enough there that yeah. like, like to me, if it's like, if this one thing turns around, then like, and like, 
I'll buy that guy, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what the other options are. And it sounds like if, if he got his jump shot to a, to a serviceable place, he's, he's a, a really useful player. Yeah. Um, again, it really just comes down to him being that good of a passer. And okay. if you can get, you know, he's not probably ever going to be a 40% three point shooter. He's which is fine because he makes up for it again with the passing. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I really think you're going to have to retool that jumper and it's not as bad as, um, it's not as bad as someone like, like, you know, his brother would, he's going from the whole left to right. And so you need to fix that. And then you also need to fix the elbow and everything, but you need to fix it. Okay. So, all right. Um, yeah. all right. We've talked about, we've talked about a lot of guys. We touched on Wiseman, Cole Anthony, Nico Mannion, uh, Killian Hayes. Um, the, the highest guy that I'm seeing, um, on again, Tankathon's board is RJ Hampton. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so there's, well, let's, uh, there's a few of them. There's RJ Hampton. There's, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, Halliburton's the, fun. Halliburton's like, I think I knew big. that you liked Halliburton. Talk to me about Halliburton. Uh, so when he shoots, it kind of looks like he's constipated the way he like hunches his back. It's funny. <laughs> that's, um, that's what I'm yeah, you know, the same way that Lonzo is making plays by kicking the ball ahead and then just kind of being a step ahead of people on offense. Um, he's similar to Lonzo Ball. Like, it, it, if you take Lonzo, if you take the weird jump shot, though I guess it's maybe not as weird. Um, and if you add a little bit more half-court scoring and passing, that's about where he is. Okay. Um, he's also almost 20 years old, we should say. He's a sophomore, um, the the oldest guy that's this high up on the board, it would seem. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you like yeah, Halliburton. Uh, okay. Yeah, I like Halliburton. I just think it, it, he's he's more of someone who I would take if I already have my true number one, true number two guy, because he could be a really good fourth option. Um, okay. Yeah. And then just really quickly on RJ Hampton, I was actually just watching some of his stuff before we started the podcast. Okay. Uh, super, super, super quick first step. Like he gets downhill quickly. He gets low. Um, he explodes, but he also doesn't really like contact very much. Um, and he's kind of stuck between the one and the two where he's not a good enough passer to play at the one. And he's not, you know, there, there's a reason to buy the shot. I actually, I'd probably buy, buy stock in the shot cause he's, um, got good form. I don't really think his percentages are bad though. I also don't know off the top of my head, um, at least from the free throw line. Um, he's just kind of like a weird combo with great athletic traits, but he doesn't have the you know, strength, the uh, attitude to just kind of power through it. But he's also 19 playing against grown men overseas. So could he be a, a good pairing with, with Barrett? Do you think? Um, I guess it would depend who you would have as the third player next to them, because I, I, I just don't think he's a good passer. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. Like out, out of all the guys who I talked about, he'd probably be the lowest, but he's also, near the top in terms of burst and athleticism. Sounds like a Scott Perry special. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm oh, hearing you correctly. One more player, because if we don't talk about him, Schwinn's going to get mad at me. Theo Maladon. Yeah. So I, uh, I've seen on, again, just following yeah. you on Twitter. I see you talk about Theo a lot. So he is in, uh, is that Israel? No, not Israel. Where is not, he? Yeah. French league. French league. Okay. Sorry. I was close. Mm-hmm. Same continent. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, talk to me about Theo. Um, 
imagine like I guess I, he's similar in some ways to Shy. Uh, just like a smooth point guard. He understands angles, change of pace. He's a good passer. He's got good touch. Um, jack of all trades, master of none type. Okay, that's probably the best way to describe him. Um, but like, then you, then you watch him and you see he's got great pace, like really, really great pace. Um, change of speed, that kind of stuff, and he's a good passer out of the pick and roll. So he's someone who I would feel comfortable pairing next to RJ. Um, I don't know how the fans would feel because you know they probably see he's from France and think, oh no, it's another Frank thing, but it's completely different. They're completely different players. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I so we've just talked about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys, not including Wiseman, so eight guys. Um that it sounds like there would be enough there to to if to to drink the Kool-Aid on and be like, okay, you know, I could get behind this. Um the the one guy you didn't mention who I know again, just from, from reading the interwebs was, was like in the conversation, uh, at the top of the draft was, uh, Denny. I don't, how do you pronounce his last name? Of Dia. Yeah. Or, um, where, where I've heard him. What, what are you, where are you on Denny? Yeah. He's, he's around six to eight for me. Okay. Um, he's a combo forward. Uh, he's a high IQ player. He's a good defender. Uh, he plays physical. um, with him, I guess it really just comes down to, you know, is he going to be a shooter? And it's weird because he doesn't have good shooting indicators. Just like, really, he's not a very good free throw shooter and his shooting from three isn't very good. Um, but then you watch him and you just kind of wonder why that's the case, because it's not like his elbows all the way to the right or he's doing some weird left to right thing or there's some giant hitch or anything. It's just he's just missing shots okay um but yeah i mean he plays with an attitude so i mean i like guys like him i liked him over the summer he's a good passer he's not luca i don't know why people have brought or rather have said that he's like luca he's nothing like luca Doncic at all um he's, he's a good player though he's probably more of like maybe a first guy off the bench type of guy okay um or I guess he could be a he could he could start too. Yeah, I'm not going to limit him to be a, being a bench player, but he, he's a smart player. If you buy the shot, that's great. If you don't, then I understand why you're going to be lower on him. Um, but yeah, then he's good. Okay. All right. Anybody else we got to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, Onyeka Okungwu. I would take him before I take James Wiseman. Uh, you power forward, center, USC, six nine, two forty five. Young, 19 years old. Okay. Yep. He's switchable in the perimeter. There's reason to buy the shot. A, because he's hit some jump shots this year. B, because he has good form. Uh, he's got soft touch. Uh, and then, you know, he's not a very good passer. I've seen a couple of attempts in the paint that haven't really been great. But, I like, I trust him, I guess, going forward, making an impact more than Jay's Wiseman. And when you look at um, Kungu, you're pr- probably thinking maybe he can develop into some type of Bam Adebayo. Well, that's as you were talking about him, that's the guy that just popped into my head. So, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Bam right now is like, he's an unbelievable passer for a big. And I oh don't my know God, he's averaging almost five assists there. a game. This is crazy. Yeah. But like, awesome defender, um, great rebounder. Oh, that's another thing about Cole. Cole will rebound the ball. 
which is it's great. Um, yeah, I'm just looking. He's averaging six point nine rebounds per thirty six minutes. That's that's pretty awesome for a guy who's six three. Yeah, and then these aren't guys who the Knicks would probably be targeting. Um, but Isaac Okoro from Auburn, very strong wing. Um, he's not really a shooter. He's another guy who you you'll have to retool his jumper. Uh, but he's a good defender. He's a team guy. Great offensive rebounder. Very, very good touch in the paint. He was like 70% in the paint, I think maybe last week or the week before um, in the half court, which is awesome. Uh, Scotty Lewis is going to be one hell of a defender in the NBA. Uh, just a question of whether or not the offense will come around, but his defense will be there. And then Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt, uh, movement shooter. Of course, stop. you get a, a Vandy guy in here. Um, yeah. He's fun though. Like he's he's a really good shooter. They're running him off like double screens, flares, uh, pin downs, everything. Um, oh, he's, he's big. He's a good six sh- six. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And then you see some actually. Uh, he's posting up a little bit too. Okay. Um, but then there are questions about the passing, and the defense isn't always there. But he can be like a better Allen Crab. Um, and I say like I don't like Allen Crab, and I like Neesmith. I think Neesmith will be. A, you know, a much more impactful player. Um, I feel so much more educated, Spencer. I, I can't even express to you <laughs> in words how valuable this was. Um, I, you know what I want to do? I want to go watch some Arizona games. That you, this, that's what you sold me on more than anything. I want to go watch Nico Mannion. I think that's my big takeaway from this. I want to watch some of these other guys too, sure. but I, I want to watch him. Let me know if you need anything. I'll send it. <laughs> I will do uh, exactly that. Um, anything to uh, plug, promote, whatever, before I get you out of here? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably follow me on Twitter, so you're already seeing the draft stuff. And I don't really have another article coming out for the Sepian because I don't know what to write about. But if I'm not with a team, which I'm still hoping I will be, but if I'm not with a team come the draft time, I will release uh, the scouting reports as I did last year, too. Um I'm planning on it. So, yeah, those were those were an invaluable resource last year. So, um, I I I will as always I will say that I hope you don't get to release them, um, and then, <laughs> and that yeah. somebody 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 uh, wises up finally. But um, anyway, all right, this was awesome. Seriously, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I'm sure that there I'm not the only person out there who um, needed this uh, education, and um, as we did last year. Um, I'll get you on a couple more times as uh, we get uh, deeper into the college season and, and maybe we, we learn some things once uh, once conference play begins, which is uh, – when does that start? When does conference play actually start? Is, has it started already? I'm so out of it. Uh, if it hasn't started, I think it starts within the next couple of days. Okay. Great. So the perfect time. We'll, we'll, this, this was good time for this because I'm sure we'll learn a lot um, over the next month and change. Oh, it, it started. I mean, UNC played against Virginia. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. Um, perfect. So we'll, we'll get into it again before too long. Um, everybody out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. It's a pleasure as always. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Good evening.